You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. We're going to reel this thing in. All right. It's good to have everybody here. So I get the uh, absolute privilege and honor to introduce our speaker to you today. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny. I was, I was sitting back thinking about um, my relationship with Blake in, uh, in April and uh, our relationship started back in a garage uh, in the Hell's House starting Bethel, Atlanta when there were 170 crazy people stuffed in a garage apartment above a six-car garage area and people just going crazy and praising and dancing and sheetrock dust uh, coming off the uh, underneath the garage because of all the people jumping so hard. And, uh, man, those were some days, some really good old days. Uh, church planning and starting churches and uh, we've... You know, Blake and I have worked, we worked together for years and uh, really always enjoyed Blake. Uh, I didn't always understand Blake, uh, but but that's because I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm I'm behind the curve or something. I don't know what was going on. But, you know, I always tried to do that seeing in the spirit stuff. Man, it just didn't work out for me, you know. I try to, you know, he'd say, vision this, you know, look at, and I'm like, man, all I'm seeing is deer. And that's all I ever see is deer. I, and by the way, I hunt, so if, if you didn't know that. so. But anyway, I, we are so privileged. Where, where'd April run off to? She, I, I'll, you can introduce her when she comes back in. But uh, yeah, I just want you guys to, to give a round of applause and, and stand up and, and greet this guy. He's an amazing guy, amazing man of God. Amen. Come on, Blake. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, I know Chris and, Chris and Terry are just right, right in the center of our heart. We've, we've run together for, for a great many years, so it's good to be up here with, the, with all of you guys again. Awesome. Cool. Well, how's everyone doing this morning? Doing good. Oh, wow. That was more enthusiastic than I was expecting. <laughs> good job. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'm just so excited to get to spend time with you guys. I've really just felt the, the, the Lord just really wants to um, just to... Um, uh, that he just, I, I can feel how excited the Lord is about you guys, you know, and so I'm just excited to have the opportunity to, to share some of that with you. Um, just a little bit about me, if you, if you don't know me, I do see some familiar faces in, in the crowd in different spots, but uh, my, my name is Blake, and, and a big part of my testimony and some of what I'll be sharing about today is that I've, uh, since I was a little kid, I've uh, seen in the Spirit, and so I've, I've seen angels, demons, and other spiritual things, uh, not so differently from the way that I'm, I'm seeing all of you right now, and... Uh, again, just because of where I feel like the Lord is focusing t- today, I- I'm not really going to have uh, time to to kind of dive into all of my testimony. Some of you might have read some of my books or things li- like that, but um, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about that. I, I want to share something that I uh, saw over over you guys. But before we dive into that, I have to do this 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 part that I dislike doing, which is uh, I have some books available today. Um, selling things kind of makes me want to vomit, so I'm going to not do that. Uh, <laughs> So instead, I'm going to give these away real quick. Um, but there are, there are some books at a table somewhere at some point at the, at the end. But um, 
this is my um, third book. It's called Indestructible, and it's about spiritual warfare. And I am, um, you know, again, because I've seen the Spirit for a long time, I've, I've noticed that a lot of people seem to be uh, living under a perspective of spiritual warfare that constantly puts them under the influence of the enemy rather than over the influence of the enemy. And so I, I was hesitant to write this book for a very long time, mainly because I don't like writing about the demonic. I don't like focusing on it at, at all, and I would just rather focus on what God's doing. But I also wanted people to live victoriously. And so I wrote this book called uh, Indestructible. It's, uh, it's called Fight, Fight Your Spiritual Battles from the Winning Side. And so um, I felt like there was someone today, and if this is you, um, I, w- I want you to raise your hand and be honest. Um, I felt like there was someone who you kind of look back at your life and you feel this kind of back and forth, and you had this feeling of oppression or attack, and and f- that feeling like that you're under attack from from unseen forces, and just kind of felt oppressed in that way. If, if that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up really quick. Otherwise, we have an enthusiastic customer back there. But someone, especially, and again, you know, don't hesitate if this really is you, but you've, you've just kind of felt under it this last couple of years. If that's, if that's, if that's you, all right, yeah, I want to give this to you. If you just pass this down to her, I'm not going to throw it because I'm going to commit spiritual warfare if I do that. Um, but this next book, this is my most recent. It's called Secular Sacred Spirit, and it's about this, this, um, under, this understanding that Everything that we do is spiritual. Everything that we do has spiritual consequence. Everything we do is meant to perpetuate God's kingdom on the earth. We don't do sacred things when we come into a building like this and then stop doing sacred things when we walk out. We, we are having spiritual effect at our work, whatever kind of work we do. We are having spiritual effect at our, in our homes. We are having spiritual effect when we're in schools, wherever we are. And sometimes having a picture of what some of that looks like help us understand how we can continue to perpetuate God's kingdom wherever we're at. So um, I felt like... There's a chapter in here that I wrote where I followed around three friends that were starting new businesses, and I looked in the spirit what happened in their businesses over the course of, of that first year. And so I feel like there is a person here that is, feels called to business and has been feeling like the Lord is asking them to start a business, has been thinking about it maybe for a little while, and kind of on that precipice of maybe starting something. And so if that is you, I saw the first hand go up right here with enthusiastic eyes as well, so thank you so much for that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you would, just real quick, just everyone extend your hands towards her. We just, uh, we just bless, we just bless the, the, the starting of things in, in her life. We bless the, the visions that the Lord has released on her. And we just say that those will become, those, will, those, those dreams and those visions and those ideas will become a reality in her life. And that any, anything that would, that would lead to, to unnecessary difficulty or challenge or bumps in the road, that, Lord, you would, you would reveal those things to her ahead of time, that she would have a clear path towards success in the, in the field that you've called her to. We just release that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. All right. Well, again, if you want those books, they're uh, out there somewhere, and someone will give them to you for some money. Um, that's how that works. <laughs> so, uh, yes, very comfortable with this part, as you can see. Um, before I dive in the rest of the way, I want to in- introduce uh, 20% of my family. Um, <laughs> the other, the rest are in uh, classrooms over there. But uh, if you guys would stand up real quick, I know this is awkward, but this is my son Hayden, my daughter November, and my wife April. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't always get to come with me when I travel places, so it's fun to have them uh, in the in the front row. So. 
Awesome. Well, I'm going to try to dive uh, right in now to, to what I feel like the Lord has for you guys today. Um, before, I, before I came, I was just praying, praying for you guys, asking the, asking the Lord what he wanted to, to bring. And I said, you know, what's, what's the season? What's, what's, what's the time right now for, for the people here? And I heard him say, uh, it's a season of encouragement. It's a season of encouragement. Now, it may not feel like a season of encouragement um, when, you, when you look at your individual story, your, your life, but it is um, one of the things that I love most about seeing in the Spirit is seeing what God is doing that may not feel yet present in our, in our physical experience and world. And so being able to see what he's doing and respond to what he's doing rather than responding to what's going on elsewhere. And so I felt like it was a season of encouragement, that it's a season of God building courage in, in you guys. And as we were in worship today, I saw these angels just slowly, um, one by one, coming into the room. And they were carrying these, um, it's interesting, this is a very cheesy example. I'm sure there's a better, better way to describe this. But like, you know, in like Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, they have those big like sashes with all the badges on it kind of thing. Imagine a, a cooler version of that where it was like, like this, uh, not that it's uncool to be a Boy Scout, I'm just saying. But um, the, the, it was like uh, there were these jeweled medals and jeweled badges. And I said, what are those, Lord? And I heard him say, those are, those are, uh, those are marks of office, marks of office. And I felt like in this season of encouragement, the Lord is actually preparing people in here for places of authority, for places of authority. Now, but before we dive into what that's going to look like, authority is an interesting thing in the kingdom. In, in earth, that means you're the boss. In, in earth, that, that means you're in charge of something. In earth, that means uh, that, that someone voted for you or you, you obtained power in some other way. And that, mean, that is what makes you in, in charge of things. In, in the kingdom of God, authority comes from what God put inside of you, what God placed in your heart, what he placed in your life. And whether you, that's recognized in the environment you're in or leads to a place of authority is irrelevant compared to what you're supposed to bring. Does that, does that make sense? Um, and so I said, okay, how how you want to do that? And I heard him say, I want to activate Daniel's in this place, Daniel's in this place. Now, Daniel's one of my favorite characters in, in the Bible, and so I want to spend just a few minutes um, kind of profiling Daniel a little bit, and I've, I find one of the best ways to look at the, the broad picture of who Daniel was and what he brought is to actually cross-compare him with some of the other prophets in the Bible. Now, prophets in the, in the Old Testament were people who were assigned by God to bring his voice into their moment of history, into their circumstances, into the place that they were in, that God had something to say to a region, to individuals in that area, and they were carrying that message to that place. And I think if we, wanna, if we want to be... Daniels, we need to understand what distinguished him from, from some of the other prophets of the Bible. Not that necessarily he was better or worse, but what, what unique qualities led to the kind of influence that he was able to have. Um, and I, to, So to, to understand Daniel, I think it's actually most helpful to start with Jonah, the other prophet. <laughs> um, so I imagine that most of you are ba familiar with the basic story of Jonah. Even if you didn't grow up in church, that's a story you kind of tend to run into at, at one point or another. Um, there's a whole, it's a very, uh, I, I find, enjoyable book to study because it's short, only four chapters. Um, and it being kind of self-contained like that makes it a fun book if you want to practice biblical study. It's a fun one to kind of test some of your tools on. But 
we're just going to do a quick overview of this story just uh, to, to get a picture of who Jonah was. So we know the story of Jonah. God comes to Jonah and says, hey, I want you to give this word to the people of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh. And we know that Jonah was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and he goes in the opposite direction. Now, if you follow the narrative of the story, we don't know why at first. It's just He's just out. He's just like, no, I'm gone. No way. We don't, we don't know why he's out. And so he hops on a boat heading in the opposite direction. We know a big storm starts up and it gets so severe that even the sailors and everyone are like, oh, some kind of God is mad at us. That's, that's what's going on right here. And, you know, these are non, non-Jewish people and he's, they just cast lots. It lands on Jonah. And Jonah's like, yeah, it was probably me. I did kind of specifically, uh, I might be specifically running away from God at this very moment. Um, you should probably throw me over the side. That's the best solution to this problem. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, Jonah's kind of a depressing story. I don't know why we tell it to children all the time. For some reason, it's like one of the main children's stories. It's very depressing, and it ends badly, just to let you know ahead of time. Um, but he gets thrown into the ocean. A great fish comes, uh, eats him. He writes a lovely poem while he's in there. Uh, a poem where he, if you study it, he doesn't actually say sorry to God, uh, just so you know, to, to keep in character here. Uh, he gets spit out uh, right near Nineveh quite conveniently, and he's like, well, I'm here, I guess, uh, <laughs> and don't want to do that again. So, And again, even the implication, if you look in the language, is this kind of laziness. He said, you know, Nineveh was a great city, so it took three days to walk through. It says he walked in one day's worth and said, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And that was the end. It doesn't say that he said any more than that, that he put any more effort into the completion of this, this word. And then, uh, now, despite the very softball prophetic word that, that he did, walk, you know, one day into the middle of a three-day journey, say it once, and then apparently not say it again, I don't know, uh, Nineveh responds dramatically. The, king, the, the word reaches the king, and he is like, oh, man, we need to shift our ways. Everyone goes into mourning put sackcloth on, put sackcloth on the cows, like everything. It literally says that, like everyone is mourning right now, you know. And, you know, he really responds to this word. There, there is this uh, dramatic repentance that happens, and the king again asks everyone to participate in this. So Jonah continues. Uh, this is usually where the children's version of the story ends. Like, yay, the people repented, the end. There's a whole other chapter after that. But... <laughs> In the, in the biblical story, Jonah goes out, sits on top of a hill so that he can watch Nineveh burn. Uh, that's what it says, essentially. And so he's sitting up there and like, all right, let's watch the fireworks. And it doesn't happen, and he gets mad at God. And God is like, why are you mad? Um, and he, he basically said, you know, and this is where the, the twist happens, where we find out why he ran away. We don't actually know until this point of the story why he ran away. You can make presumptions. You could think, oh, the Ninevites are really scary. Oh, this, this, he's, you know, he's scared to give this word. We don't really know. But at this point in the narrative is when we get the, the, the reveal of why he ran away. And he says, it's because I knew that you would be merciful to them. I knew that this would work. And that's why he didn't give the word. Well, that's that's kind of shocking. Well, I, I want to pause here and take a quick historical detour. I know not everyone's a history person like the way I am. I'm a little bit of a history nerd, so we won't spend too much time here. 
But Nineveh was the capital city of, of the um, Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were the first great conquering empire in, in history. There were other kind of empires before, but these were the first ones that were like, hey, maybe we should take your stuff <laughs> and make you our city and our country now. And so, and if you read the histories, uh, don't read it to your kids because they were brutal. They were very violent. They were very aggressive. If they, were, if they subjugated a, a city or an area and there was even the littlest um, rebellion, they would kill everyone in the entire city. And very, very brutal, uh, notorious for their brutality. They had the most advanced weaponry at the time. So these, these towns, these city-states essentially that were around them were powerless to defend themselves when these people came by. Undoubtedly, Jonah would have experienced pain and suffering because of the Assyrian Empire. Undoubtedly, people jo knew, Jonah knew had died because of the actions of this, this empire. And so when you look at the history and look at the story, you can understand that he, from a certain perspective, uh, he's somewhat justified in his anger. That no, I would, ra I would rather the word be blow up that city because these guys are evil, you know? And again, you study the Assyrians, they, they were pretty wicked, you know? And, and so again, it's easy to kind of sometimes look at biblical narratives and know what the right answer is and just be, um, you know, kind of look down on the people that aren't responding the right way. But you got to understand, this, this would have been something that would be very personal to, to Jonah, undoubtedly something that he had experienced to, to some degree. And so he has this moment, hey, hey why, why, why are you this way, you know, and, and has this argument with God. And then God raises up a, a plant near him to give him shade because he's sitting up on the hill waiting for the city to burn. And this plant grows up in shade, and he's like, well, thank you, Lord. You have been so kind to me. I thank you for, you know, following my needs here. I appreciate you doing what I need. Um, and then the Lord, <laughs> the actual scripture says the, uh, the Lord provided a worm, uh, which is a very fun way of provision, to kill the plant <laughs> and make his shade go away. So his head got, got all sunburned and, and hot again. And he got so mad at God. He's like, ah, oh, one good thing happens to me. And then this plant dies and this, you know, ah, oh, this stinks. I wish I were dead, is what he said <laughs> at that point. This is a couple times in the story. <laughs> and he has himself thrown in, a, in, a, in the ocean. But and then the Lord kind of comes back at him and says, why do you care more about this plant than you do about the lives of people that are in this city? They're, it's full of people who don't even know their right hand from their left. They don't know what they're doing. And, and, and the, those people are repenting. Even, and, and it's full of animals as well. See, the cows put on the sackcloth. And the Lord notices them later in the story if you, if you follow it. So he, he knows what's up. Um, and then the story ends. That's it. You ever have one of those TV shows, those movies, where like the last season, last episode, the end of the movie, it just kind of ends and there's like no resolution, you know? And it's like, what, what happened, you know? Uh, how many of you uh, are annoyed by that when that happens? Yes, yes. How many of you are those artsy people who like that? Okay, good. A few of you. Awesome. <laughs> by a few, I mean one back there. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, um, so I was reading a commentary on Jonah. And, and this is uh, one that can actually apply to your, your TV show and your movie as well, is the purpose of an obscure ending, an ending where we're not certain, where, where surely the story went on from that, but we end before there's a conclusion. 
typically in that kind of uh, literary style, the purpose of that is that the conclusion was not the purpose of the story. The question that the story asks is the purpose. And so this question that, that I read as, hey, I understand that these people are wicked, but why can't you be transformed by the way that I see them and inherit some of my mercy towards these people, even though they do deserve destruction? And, why, and also, let me kind of hold this back to you. You care more about this convenience in front of you than you do about these people that are in this wicked city. So that's the story of Jonah, and that's the warning of, of Jonah. And let's just take a moment and cross-compare that to, to Daniel. Again, I'm just going to briefly go through the narrative of Daniel. He's, he has a longer, longer story. But, you know, so that Daniel is a prophet who is sent to another conquering empire, the one that came after the Assyrians, the Babylonians, it was, that were just a little bit nicer. <laughs> um, they, were, they would just kidnap you instead of murder. They would kidnap half of you and then murder the rest instead of just murdering everybody. Um, it's a great improvement. Uh, <laughs> you know, more nuanced than that, of course. But the um, so Daniel is one of these people that's kidnapped by by this this empire, brought into the service of this wicked, uh, demonic, pagan empire that that worships false gods, worships their 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 emperor, their king as as a god, and he's brought into service of this wicked empire. Now Daniel, as we know, and his his com compatriots, they uh, begin to thrive under in this position. They, distinct, they are able to continue to distinguish themselves as Jewish people, to, to remain themselves in the middle of this, this empire that's trying to get them to conform to their ways. They're able to remain who they are while still being present and actually serving this, this, this wicked empire. And the whole first few chapters of Daniel are about that exchange. It's about, you know, eating the food, about, um, you know, not, um, about uh, not bowing down to the idol. And that's what gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, another children's story that we tell our children, beginning thrown into a fire. Um, <laughs> I, when I look at as I became an adult, I realized, like, oh, we picked, like, the most violent stories for to be the main children's stories. But anyway, side note. Um, the... Um, and it's, again, all that beginning part is about them having boundaries, remaining themselves, remaining distinctly followers of God while still serving this, this empire. And I want to show you one piece of the narrative, one piece of the story that, that kind of shows the, um, the, the fruit of that, that journey here. And let me... Um, I should open to this ahead of time, but it, I want you to see this because it's... it's it's sometimes more powerful. So turn to the book of Daniel, if, if you will. This is a Daniel chapter 4. We should probably stop saying turn to the book of Daniel. We should click to the book of Daniel. Uh, <laughs> hey Siri to the book of Daniel. <laughs> oh, she actually did it. Whoops. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh, Completely unrelated side note while you're turning to that passage, my youngest daughter is named Sybil, and her, the, her little nickname is Sibby, which unfortunately is very close to Siri. And so I many times say, hey, Sibby, and my phone starts deleting things. <laughs> side note, word of warning. Um, so Daniel chapter 4, um, we're going to go ahead and go straight to verse uh, 19. 
But this is Nebuchadnezzar, this is this, this wicked king, and he's had this dream. And this is, uh, Daniel's already interpreted a dream or two for him already at this point. And this is a dream of judgment. This is a dream that is letting him know that, some, that, that you know, the Lord has already kind of tried to correct him for his pride. He has not been willing to correct, be, be corrected. And he has, um, and this is the kind of the judgment. This is the consequence of him choosing not to adjust. And so... Uh, in chapter four, verse nineteen, Daniel is has heard this dream. He sees this this tree that's you know being being cut down. He see and he recognizes it right away. And this is how he responds. Chapter four, verse nineteen. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, "Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you." Belshazzar, uh, I know I can't pronounce that. Um, answered, "My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies." and its meaning to your adversaries. I want you to let that sink in. This person who was kidnapped from his home that was conquered and and nearly destroyed by this empire that subjugated him, that had been fighting against his culture, fighting against his identity, fighting against his values, and, and where he had to re- learn how to resist without getting th- thrown into a, a lion's den, or a lion's den's later, but getting, getting thrown into a fiery pit and, and yet also not violate the values that, that he has towards this king who had just, uh, I think, one chapter before thrown all of his friends into a furnace when bringing a, judgment, a word of judgment from the Lord says, oh, I wish this was for your enemies. I'm sorry that this is happening to you. It shows a heart that had been transformed by God to be able to love his oppressor. Not in an unhealthy, you know, you know weird way. Not in a, uh, what is that thing when they get kidnapped and you fall in love with your kidnapper? Stockholm syndrome. Not in a Stockholm syndrome kind of way. I'm glad you knew that right away. Um, not in a Stockholm syndrome kind of way, because the, the boundaries have been established already before this. Him remaining himself, remaining autonomous, remaining who he is in the middle of this has been the, really the narrative up until this point. Yet still, he was able to be himself, yet have compassion for this wicked king. And the end of this story is you know, him losing his mind for a number of years, this, this king, and then coming back and serving God for the remainder of his, of his days. And Daniel had the opportunity to serve another king and another king and another king and was there in Babylon influencing an empire through the voice of the Lord for his whole life. And I, wanna, I, I want us to look at the story of Daniel from this perspective because it's easy to make fun of Jonah and to look down on his attitude, but it's important that we understand that his emotional response is, is understandable. That was a wicked empire that caused destruction, that was, that was, that was evil and wicked. And it, in, from one perspective, it is just that he wanted its destruction. It's just not God's way. It's just not God's justice. And in this picture, seeing what it looked like, to carry influence, to be able to inject the kingdom of God into the middle of a wicked empire. Empire, not umpire. <laughs> if you work for the, uh, the baseball, you might run into a wicked umpire. But anyway, 
To be able to inject the kingdom of God into that very place is, is a beautiful and a powerful thing. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Now, it's easy for us to see the difference in result between those things. One guy, the story leaves him on a hill, sunburned and angry. And the other one serves king after king after king and is able to influence them to varying degrees and is able to contribute to the, the prophetic voice that we still study to this day. And, and so now it's easy to see that that's which one you want to be, right? Which one you want to be more like. But my question I want to engage for just the, the remainder of the time we have today is how do you do that? How do you become that? Is it, is it character? Is it you, you, you clenching your, your character as tight as you can and saying, well, I'm, I'm supposed to love this person, so I'm going to love them? Is it following the, the, um, the pattern of making sure I'm saying the right thing about people that I consider my enemies? Is it, is it, uh, is it an attitude? What, what is it? What causes us to be able to respond this way? And I want to share a story from my own experience that is not necessarily a success story, but is a picture of, of what it looks like. And I believe that the mechanism by which we can learn to become more like Daniel than like Jonah. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so, um, and, and this is a little bit of a heavy story, and, and uh, I see varying aged people in here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be cautious with my language here. But I am, um, I... I was in uh, Texas some years ago, and I was uh, ministering at a, at a conference there, and there was you know, multiple sessions, and in between one of the sessions, this woman came up to me, and she said, hey, I, I wanted to know if you'd be willing to pray for my daughter, and I said, you know, sure, no, no problem, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that, no, no problem at all, and she said, okay, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, and I'm going to see if she's willing to come into the building. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, she said, maybe you could just, you know, meet me over here, uh, right before the next session. And then we could kind of check and see where it's at. I'm like, yeah, sh- sure. <laughs> you know? And so some time went by, I met, uh, before the next session came, I, I met with this woman and she came out and she said, okay, she's willing to come into the foyer, but she won't come into the sanctuary. So are you willing to come out into the foyer and pray for her there? And I said, sure. Um, and she said, maybe I should explain. I said, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, and, you know, her voice kind of cracked when she started into the story. She said, you know, we're just, a, we're just a normal church family, you know. And some, some months ago, my, my daughter started dating this guy. And, and um, you know, my, my husband and I didn't really feel great about him. It just, you know, he, it wasn't anything like super ex- explicit, you know, but just, just didn't get the greatest feeling off of me to get, get her these really expensive gifts and, and things like that. It just felt off, you know, it felt, it felt odd. And... And, and, you know, but anytime we try to kind of talk to our daughter about that or, or push on that, it would, it would really cause this disconnect between us and her. And she, she would really push back and it even got to the point where she would, you know, we said she you know, couldn't see him anymore and she'd sneak out of the house to go spend time with him. And we were just stuck in this place of like, okay, anytime we push, it pushes her further away. And what, what, how do we respond to that? And so it, despite that, and even though we weren't feeling great about this, we were, we were shocked when this man uh, kidnapped our daughter and, and took her into the, uh, to the trafficking world. And after contacting the police and doing a search, uh, we were able to find her and get her back. But it took three months for us to track her down, and she was two states away at that, at that point. 
And you know, she just burst into tears at that point. And she said, you know, she's, we, we have her back. She's, she's back with us, but things just aren't the same any, anymore. And I, I have no idea what to do. And, you know, I said, you know are, are you willing to pray for her? And I said, you know, of course, absolutely. And so she said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get her. And you know, as soon as she walked out, out of the room, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I got really scared. I got terrified. Now, it was for a couple of reasons. I, I could, you know, just as a father, as, as a human being, I, I can feel the weight of the circumstance that they're going through. And, I, and I'm terrified to make any kind of mistake that would add more pain to that circumstance. You know, I want to be just running through my mind and my heart. I had to be very, very careful with, with the, 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 how delicate this situation is, you know. And, and so I'm feeling af- afraid about that. And then, honestly, you know, I'm, I'm afraid a bit to, to look at her in, in the spirit and see what, what's happening. You know, I, uh, if you've read any of my books or things, you know that some of the things that I see are like spiritual wounds or demonic attack or, or things like that. And, you know, sometimes people, not, not you guys, of course, but uh, some people get a little scared that I might see something bad on them. You know, again, that's nobody in here, of course. But um, <laughs> the, the, um, the, and maybe that I would judge them or, or whatever else. But the, the honest truth is that anytime I see anything like that on someone, what it uh, raises up in me is nothing but the deepest compassion and, and a sense of, honestly, em- empathy towards that person. Because, uh, you know, all of us come, to, come by our stories pretty honestly, <laughs> you know. And, and when you can see that, it, it, it's heavy on the heart. And so, honestly, some cowardly part of me was scared to feel the empathetic pain that I knew I would feel seeing this situation for what it was. And so I was going back and forth. I don't want to cause any more pain. I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm scared. It's like having to put your hand on a frying pan, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And so I, I stopped looking in the spirit as she walks in the room with, with her mother. And... Again, my heart just breaks because the, the girl's uh, no more than 15. And, uh, you know, just her physical appearance is just screaming pain. She's, she's shuffling her feet. She's, you know, trying to make eye contact, but then, like, diverting her gaze. She's holding her hands close. Just everything is screaming pain. And just, and just human to human, it, 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 you can just feel it, you know. And, again, I'm, I'm going back and forth in my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt her any way and what even is the pathway to helping at all in in this moment what what could I possibly contribute you know and again I thought if I can do anything at all if I can even just put one drop of goodness in in this direction that's that's worth whatever you know I'm I'm going to experience and so I kind of took the uh, tippy toe approach and and you know uh looked at the ground started looking in the spirit and slowly raised raised my gaze and as I did, I, <clears throat> I got to her sneakers, and the, the, the blood from her wounds was dripping so heavily that it was filling her sneakers. And I felt the first stab of that, of that empathetic pain. And it was so uh, horrendous that I kind of backed up and, and, and recoiled back and, and stopped looking in the spirit again. And again, I had this back-and-forth panic. It was probably no more than a second or two, but it felt like forever of, you know... Uh, like, uh, how can I possibly do anything to help that? What, what could I possibly say? What could I possibly express? And how could I not do anything except for hurt her more or, or confuse her or, or, or whatever else, you know? And going back and forth, and again, it was probably the Holy Spirit. This, this courage just welled up in me. 
and, and again said, if I can do anything to contribute whatsoever, then it is worth whatever risk of, of mistake or, or pain that I might feel. And so really realizing I'd make a, made a mistake before, I, I started looking in the spirit and looked directly uh, into her eyes. <laughs> And you know it's it's been um, it's been almost five uh, probably more than five years now, and I, I still have the hardest time describing what I saw in in that moment because even though I could feel every bit of that empathetic pain that I had expected to feel, even though I could physically see the signs of pain and trauma and hurt that, that she was showing, when I looked at her in the spirit. She looked perfect. She looked perfect. She looked whole. She looked, she looked clean. There was not a single scratch on her. She looked absolutely and utterly perfect. And I, of course, quickly realized that I was seeing her the way that the Father saw her. And again, this is such a hard thing to express because it's, it's bigger than, than, than me. It's... It, she looked perfect, but it wasn't like he had thrown a coat of paint over the pain. It's not like he had just covered it up. It's not like he was just looking past it. No, he was, he was in the middle of the deepest part of that hurt and that tragedy and that trauma. And he was just so good that he could fully be present in that and yet truly and honestly still see her exactly that way at the same time without any 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 need to dismiss or, or cover over that pain whatsoever. He was somehow capable of being that good and that true in the midst of that space. And just the, 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 the realization of just the depth of love of, of God, the reality of love, of our love of God, how his love is not just that while God does indeed love the world, he also has pay, paid the price to be present in the middle of the worst of our individual circumstances as, as well. And, and I could feel the reality of that, of that love in this, in this place. And now, as I open my mouth to, to share that to the best of my capacity, you know, I... I didn't see any response from her or even any sign that she heard me speaking at all just because her, the state that she was in was, was so intense. And I, I saw it encourage her mom and kind of give some perspective to her mom, which is maybe what, what the best that I could hope for in that moment. And while I felt like I was, was able to express it to the best of my ability, I, I walked away, if I'm being honest, a little bit hollow because that perfect goodness was there was present, was available in that moment. And, and I know that all of it didn't make it out of my mouth, if that makes sense. And now, again, I didn't beat myself up. I, I didn't, I wasn't you know, getting down on myself, but I was you know, looking at that and, and being able to just face and admit that, okay, I, did I need to say something different? Did I need to position my heart differently? Do I need a deeper revelation of your love? You know, and... and Every week, every month, you know, a couple times a year, I would think about that day, and I would think about that moment, and I would just allow it to wash over me, allow myself to feel the frustration, the disappointment, and still also be accepting that I stood there, I said what I could say, and, and that, you know, allowing both of those to, to, to hit me, but also not dismissing this feeling of, ah, not, a, not all of it made it across, you know. Um, 
And I never really came to any conclusion. I never had a good, you know, idea of how I should, you know, what I should have done, or I didn't even really hear the Lord say much about it at all. I would just kind of rise up and then, you know, go go away. Once a year, twice a year, three times a year, it depends. Well, a handful of months ago, I was um, I was out mowing my lawn, and I have a pretty decent-sized lawn. I don't have a riding mower, so it takes takes a minute. And um, I uh, was out there, you know, pushing pushing the lawnmower, and um, I uh, just, you know, a lot of times when I'm just doing some physical labor like that is connect with the Lord and talk, talk with Him and, and just feel, feel His presence. And as it had dozens of times before, I had that memory pop up of this, of this girl in that moment in that situation and that feeling of disappointment that, that I, you know, I knew that there was more on the table. I knew that, that the fullness of that goodness was present, and I didn't know how to connect her to that goodness in, in that moment all the way. And, and for the first time, even though the process in my mind was no different than it was before, um, I felt the Lord answer. And his answer surprised me. <laughs> because as I was feeling the pain of that moment, immediately in my, in my mind's eye, I saw a vision of the guy. The guy who had kidnapped her. The, the, the boyfriend. And he looked like the kind of guy you would think he would be. <laughs> and immediately, and I'm just being very, very honest with you guys, I felt mad. <laughs> I, felt, I felt mad. Very mad. I, I, I you know, I'm, I consider myself a, a relatively forgiving person and, and a person who can, you know, understand that, that people, again, as I said earlier, people come by their stories honestly, you know, and, and even people who do really harmful things often it's part of a story of harmful things being done to them, you know? But in that moment, I was really having a hard time finding that perspective, just because at least in my mind there, I can't think of much more despicable things to do, more callous, more, more heartless things to, to do to someone. And I was just furious at this, at this person. And so it was shocking and very honestly offensive when I felt the exact same goodness and love that I had felt in the presence of that girl's pain pointed directly at this man. And again, I'm just being very, very honest with you guys. It made me want to vomit. <laughs> it was very, I could not accept it. I, I, you know, this is not how it works at all, but I, I, I wanted to take it away. I said I wanted, wanted to not allow it, not that I can allow God to do anything, but... I, 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 wanted, I wanted to pull it away, and if I could have, I probably would have. You know, I, I couldn't uh, reconcile that kind of goodness pointed at him. It felt, that felt dirty, that felt wrong, that felt violating, yet it, I could see and feel even in that moment that it didn't violate that goodness at all, that it was still sufficient to remain as it was in, in the presence of th that kind of wickedness. And I'm sitting there. Now, again, I, I've been a Christian my whole life. I grew up in church. I, I have heard many sermons about God's love. I've, I've had encounters with God's love 
So I know the right answer in this situation. I know that there is no sin that, that, that cannot be forgiven by God, that, that God has, that, God has, has uh, that, that the blood of Jesus is sufficient for, for anything, and that God can create a redemption story for anyone, and that this book is full of those kinds of redemption stories for people that were wicked in very similar ways, you know, and, and, and different ways. And so I know the right answer. But if I'm, and I could have taken on the posture of saying I forgive this person or saying that that's okay or, or whatever, but it would not have been the truth in that moment. And so I just, so I did the only thing I knew to do, which was to stay in that wrestle. And so then the Lord said, should I punish him? <laughs> and you know, the voice over here is like, Yep. <laughs> yep, right away, please. Um, <laughs> but the right answer part of my brain is like, the best I could muster was, I don't know. I don't know. And then in the vision above him, I saw his mom and dad. And I saw the kind of people that they were. And just a snapshot of the kind of way that they had raised him. And the Lord said, should I punish them? I said, I don't know. And then I saw each of their parents, and what kind of people they were, and what their story was, and what kind of things they released down their family line. And again, the Lord said, should I punish them? And I said, I don't know. And then layer by layer by layer, it added more and more and more and more until it went up. To, you know, as you can imagine, it created this giant inverted pyramid of people that just went back and back and back and back. And I could see like a, like a cascading waterfall, a, a, the, the electrical transfer of sin, not just missing the mark, not just, you know, not going to church every week, but the, the destructive tendencies that produced destruction again and again and again. The, the things that led to a, a, a man like this, that led to a story like this. I could see it coursing down and trickling down this, this whole picture. And then I felt the Lord draw his hand over that entire picture and say, who should I punish? And I said, I don't, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. And then I just kind of sat there in that moment, and I said, I don't, I don't know how to be okay with that love pointed at that kind of person. I don't. And the Lord said, in, in a very kind voice, well, that's too bad because that kind of love is the only kind of love that could have made it to that girl on that day in that moment that she was in. And again, in the kindest and gentlest way, I had realized that I had not yet been transformed enough not in a way of performance, not in a way of me doing good enough, not in a way of my character not being good enough, but just in the journey of my story, I had not yet been transformed by God's love enough 
to have what that girl needed on that day. And that some piece of that was represented in my inability to be, to be able to resolve God's love being pointed at this person. And so if I'm being honest, I, I still don't know exactly how to resolve those things. Again, I could say it, and I, can, I know what the right conclusion is, but I need to continue to walk that conversation with the Lord before I'm going to be able to truly receive it. Because I don't want just to be able to perform the right words with love. I want to be able to be a representative of that love and of the kingdom that that love comes from. And so that's a small picture in my life of, I believe, what it looks like to become a Daniel. We don't really see this part of Daniel's life. We, we can see glimpses of it and, and evidence of it. But it's been true of every Christian I've known, and, and it's been true of every, every, every follower of God that I see in this book, that it is their encounter with God and his nature and his goodness that transform them that transforms them to become more like him and the only way that we can be a daniel in our place of work in our place of business in our schools in our churches in any environment the only way that we can serve truly wicked people cuz nebuchadnezzar was pretty wicked and truly bring the glory of god into that place as if we are transformed by that same love. And even if we know that love really, really well and have known it for many, many decades, still recognize our desperate need for it and our complete inadequacy without it. <laughs> that we are still in desperate need of him to reveal himself to us because, again, the gospel is not... Hey, he told us what to do and we figured it out. <laughs> the gospel is we couldn't do it on our own. And so he sent his son to, to die for us, to pay the price for us so that we could, through grace, be transformed to be more like him. And so I've, I felt that today, as I was seeing those marks of office, that was representative of God calling some of you out to be Daniels in your environment, to be Daniels in your environment. And that's a good thing that we can cheer about. That's exciting. But when you, I do want you to look at the reality of that. Is Daniel served a wicked king. Daniel served an empire that had conquered his land and, and tried to change his religion, tried to change his belief system. And he was able to be led by the Lord to remain who he was, to remain true to, to who he was, yet still actively serve someone that we would consider wicked by, by really any measure. This is a challenging tension to be in, and we need to recognize the places where that would not be an acceptable outcome for us and recognize that those are areas we need to be transformed by God, transformed by his grace. And again, I'm, I'm in the mystery with you guys. The result of me being transformed by God's love would not be me saying what that guy did was okay. That wouldn't be the result. I don't, I have to, again, admit, I don't know what the result would look like. I don't know what that would feel like. I don't know 
what that would be. So that's again why I desperately need the Lord to be able to walk me through that and us through all of these things. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? And so I am... Um, I just want to minister to you guys a little bit uh, at the end here as we, as we wrap up. But first, I just want to pray for you guys. Um, you can just stay seated where you are. And I, I, I think to, um, to some extent, I believe that we're all called to, to be Daniels. We're all called to be representative, uh, representatives of God's voice wherever, wherever we go. Part of us becoming Christians, be, becoming, uh, the word Christian means little Christ, that we are all representatives of God's kingdom everywhere that we go. To some degree, we all fulfill the role that prophets used to fulfill in, in the Old Testament as representatives of God's voice to the people. And that, as Christians, that is something to one degree or another we have all inherited. And so I just want you to close your eyes where you're at. I just want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, I just, I just pray. Um, first of all, I just, I just thank you for for the, the journeys of grace and challenge and transformation that I already see represented in this room. I can tell there are so many people who have already fought these battles, fought these battles of, of being transformed by God's love, learning how to remain true to who we're called to be, yet still being, being a, a representative of God's kingdom and a, and a benefit to, to people in circumstances where it's hard to know if we should be a, a servant or an opponent to to, to what's going on, Lord. And I just, I just release a, first, just a validation of, the, of your story so far and of your history so far. And Lord, right now, we just make ourselves vulnerable to you in saying, Lord, we do not know how to cross some of these gaps. We do not know how to truly live up to the standard of your love, of your glory in every circumstance. We truly do not know the right response, the godly response, the kingdom response in every circumstance. We don't know exactly how we are supposed to do what we are supposed to do, but we know that you do. And we know that the only way that we can be able to respond the way we are supposed to, respond as true representatives of your kingdom is by being transformed by your grace, by transformed, by seeing you for who you are, Lord. I also just want to, I just feel this is important. Um, because we're Christians, we're, we are often trained to follow the correct pattern of forgiveness, of love. And sometimes because of that, we have been not forced, but obligated to forgive without actually walking through the process of forgiveness. And I just want to, again, validate you that, that some of you have been wrestling with forgiveness stuff, and it's been this kind of tormenting back and forth thing where you're like, I'm supposed to forgive. I already said I forgive, and, I, and it just keeps coming back. And I just, first of all, I want to just validate you for your character and your willingness to follow the way of God and to submit your will to his. And, and I just want to just... just um, uh, encourage you for for carrying that, but I just also want to just invite you that I feel like if that if you have been stuck on any area of forgiveness, I believe that is because the Lord wants to walk a journey with you in that area, and that maybe in in your eagerness to obey, you may have d decided to skip a journey that He wanted to walk walk you through. 
Sometimes that journey involves getting really, really mad and admitting that you are really mad, that you maybe even hate someone at the moment, even though you know you're not supposed to, even though you know it's not right, even though you know it's not what God wants. Sometimes being able to receive what God has for us is in admitting where we're at in a given moment. Again, not saying that that's okay to do or that we're supposed to live there. We know that. But telling the truth about where we are at invites Jesus to meet us there. So I just felt like the Lord was wanting to invite you into... Now, again, it can feel like going backwards sometimes. It can feel like cracking open old things. But it's because he wants to invite you into a journey. You don't have to do that in this moment right now, necessarily. But I just want to pray a blessing for anyone who's in that position. Lord, we just release your peace into all these circumstances. We've, we, again, we validate that sometimes wrong has been done to us, that, 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 um, that we have been treated poorly, that we have been um, uh, demeaned for our faith, that we've been mistreated for our faith, that we have been mistreated for, for any number of other reasons, and we just recognize that, it is, that, it, that the, the need for forgiveness is true and real and present. And the need for transformative grace is, grace is real and true and present because of the reality of the pain and, and the challenge that, that can be part of our histories. But Lord, we invite you to speak into our hearts to any of these places that we've become stuck, where we have been walking the same patterns over and over and over again. We invite you to give us your transformative grace and to allow us to reopen those places so that we can see them for what they are and see what you have for us to cause us to respond differently in those circumstances, in those spaces, in those situations, Lord. Because again, I want to give you a vision for this. The Lord is equipping you guys. I even see the angels coming back now, laying these things over you guys. He's giving you markers of office. He's giving you kingdom authority to be representatives you know, Daniel served and influenced at least four kings in the most powerful empire in the world at the time. Even from a place of service, even from a place of being uh, by the world standard underneath, the Lord can position you to release his kingdom, perhaps even more powerfully than you could if you were just in charge of it, everything. Now, I also actually see on some of your badges, earthly authority as one of the badges that the Lord either has or will put you in positions of authority in your work, in, in school systems, in, in, your, in your business, in other people's businesses, that even I feel like in this season, um, if this is you, just, just receive this, that even some of you, you've been felt a little bit overlooked for promotions or, or for up, upward movement in your environment. And I want to be very, very clear. This is not the Lord like punishing you by not allowing that to happen. This has been his journey of building something in you and readying something in you so that you are ready to be able to release what you're called to release in that position of authority. And that the, um, that as, as this shift happens, those, those delays are going to switch and all of a sudden you're going to get, get those, those, uh, those, that growth and those promotions that makes that, that, makes sense and and seem to have been delayed. And so I just release those those positions of authority on the earth that we've been called to, Lord, that those would that those would um just be opened up right now in in Jesus' name and that we would recognize that 
despite those promotions, that our authority doesn't come from that. Our authority comes from who we are called to represent, who we are called to represent. Um, I do see for many of you, again, this, this um, I, I can see that as they're laying some of these over you, there's some of you have a really long set of badges, and it's just, just like with, you know, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, it's representative of things that you've been through, things that you've done, pieces of your history, and I feel like the Lord is wanting you to see and experience how valuable your history is. <laughs> that things that seemed like a waste of time, that seemed like you just were digging your way out of the mud for years sometimes at a time, and that it only felt valuable once you finally got out of the mud and things actually started, that that is a badge that is a marker of authority on your life and will make you capable of saying and doing and releasing things that you would not have been capable of without those parts of your story. It doesn't mean that God caused those painful parts of your story. It's, it means that he made sure that you got everything that you possibly could out of it. It means that he made sure that every bit of authority, every bit of maturity, every bit of, of power that you could get out of that, he made sure that you were going to carry that going forward. And so I feel like the Lord is even going to bring up parts of your story and that stories that have been um, painful, even shameful, even regretful parts of your story are suddenly going to be uh, solid bricks that you can build forward on. And so I just released that to, to, to some of you in Jesus' name. Um, the last thing that stands out is I just see these, um, these badges of honor being placed on many of you on the high, high part of your shoulder. And they're jeweled and elaborate and beautiful. And I just felt like that was a representation of kingdom value. That, that some of you, for one reason or another, from, from part of your history or whatever else, you got told and, and that you were not valuable or that you were not worthwhile, or that you were not valuable unless this, unless that, unless this other thing. And part of this um, transformative grace that the Lord is releasing to you is a value that is fully, um, f has all of its origin in your Father's opinion of you, your Heavenly Father's opinion of you, and the way that He sees you. Because some of the places that you are called to go you will not survive there unless you know that you're valuable. You will not survive there unless you know that you're valuable. And the Lord is giving you that in this time right now. And he is reviewing and, and recontextualizing your story to show you how his value operates. Even when very, again, very genuinely, you were taught and told that you were not valuable by some aspects of your environment. And part of this journey will be reconciling and wrestling with the, the, the pain and the tragedy of that reality. But that validation is, is coming and is landing on you and knowing your worth, your value, and knowing where it's rooted despite any feedback from anywhere else. Yeah. So last, last thing, I just saw these angels also coming around with oil and anointing your guys' hands. Um, the other thing that being transformed by grace does, and this is a challenging thing, even though it sounds real nice, is it makes you much more sensitive. It makes you much more sensitive. It softens places that have become rough and become hard and have become rough and hard in justifiable ways <laughs> and, for justifiable re and for justifiable reasons. And maybe even becoming hard was the right and safe choice for a period of time. But the Lord, when, when we're transformed by grace, it softens those places 
it makes it so that our security needs to be in him because we can't protect ourselves in exactly the same ways because we'll be able to have the same kind of care that you even hear in this you know, hundreds and hundreds of year old text, the same care that you hear in Daniel's voice towards this man who had kidnapped him and thrown his friends in a fire a little bit before. This genuine care that says, I wish this judgment was coming to your enemies. I wish this was coming to your adversaries. You will fall in love with people that you would have found despicable, that you would have found worthless, that you would have considered enemies because you will see them as God sees them. And that takes uh, a sensitivity that is, uh, is challenging to maintain. So I just bless every single hand in this place that they will grow soft by God's grace, by, by his voice. Yeah. I just want to call out one or two people, and then we'll kind of have a response in the end. Um, ma'am, you have a really lovely kind of dyed blonde hair with a bun on top and a white blouse. Uh, yeah, hello. Um, so uh, in the midst of the other raiment that I saw uh, the angels lay, uh, laying on you, I just saw um, an angel lay this beautiful crown on, on top of your head. Um, and this may sound kind of strange, but I, I, it's just what I heard the Lord say. I, I asked the Holy Spirit what that was. And he said, it was a crown that was stolen from your family many, many uh, years ago. And that, it, that your, um, your journey with the Lord and your protection of um, your, your heart with him has, has made it possible for, rather than trying to just fight to get that back, allowed the Lord to bring it back to you. And um, I want to encourage you, the, the rightful authority that's meant to be a generational blessing on your family is returning with you, and it's going to be a generational blessing to, to anyone that you consider family, that it's going to, and it's literally going to be a gift that you can give to people, to, to have a gift of, of authority that is both repre- that is, um, uh, represented both in heaven and, and on earth. And so if you guys would just extend your hands towards her. Yeah, we just bless the authority that, that is meant to be part of her family, that is meant to be part of, of um, uh, her, her history and her story. And we just, um, um, we, we just give, give an advocation to her for, for her willingness to walk the Lord's journey and to, and to walk the path of humility, even though it costs more in, in many places. We just say that the kingdom of God, that the hosts of heaven are returning that authority to her family line and to anyone that she considers family from this day forth. We just release that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just a couple more people. I wish I could prophesy over everyone because God has a lot to say. But um, um, these two right here, are you guys together? Okay, awesome, cool. You always got to ask because you don't want to... Get 10 minutes into prophecy and find out their brother and sister. Um, <laughs> I have seen it happen before. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> so I, I saw like this time-lapse uh, video of um, like, you know, you watch like on YouTube or whatever those like time-lapses of people like power washing or, or you, know, uh, you know, cleaning up a yard or whatever kind of thing makes it look like it takes five minutes to do a you know, 10-hour job kind of thing. <laughs> but I, I, I saw angels coming to your house and doing that. And it wasn't time-lapse. They were just moving that fast. And there was like this power washing. There was this reorganization. There was um, some remodeling that, that was going on. And I just felt um, that, the, that the Lord 
um, the Lord was bringing a divine reorganization to the trajectory of your life. That 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 there is just a um, you know. I'm trying to explain a feeling more than, more than anything else, but like, you know, I, I have five kids at my house, and so, as you might imagine, the house occasionally gets a little messy. Um, and there are times that I walk into a room of like, I have no idea how this got like this, and I have no idea how many days it's going to take to get it, get it back. And it's overwhelming, you know. And I feel like things that you've looked at in, in, in life, in, in organizing your life, in, in, in uh, organizing your finances that have felt like that, that have felt like that, like, I don't even know where to start with all this, are just going to be reset back to zero, back to, back to that. And I actually, again, if this, if this isn't true, you can dismiss this part, but I feel like any, any debts that have been outstanding or, or things like that, I can just see the Lord even just coming and cleaning those up as, as well. And so I just, um, I just feel like the Lord is just bringing this, this re-trajectory kind of piece. And it's, it's cool because I've seen you guys be faithful in the midst of it and being faithful in it, but the Lord's just bringing this just acceleration, you know, to, to that whole process. So let's just uh, extend our hands towards them, Lord. We just, we just invite that in divine intervention, that, that angelic restoration that shows up and takes, takes some of these jobs that, that would have taken days or weeks and just does it all in one big go. I, I just pray, too, that it will feel like family. Like in the picture, it felt like a bunch of family showing up and just helping, helping out with everything. Any, any outstanding debts or any, any, anything that's, that's just piled up like that, we just, we just release the, 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 um, the, the lawyers of heaven to re- reassess that, to, to bring restoration and, and, and repair to that, Lord, and that they would be just completely completely restored in any of those areas and we just invite just that a new season where there is so much capacity to dream forward and so we just release that on both of them in the name of Jesus amen amen all right yeah that's the the sound (laughs) um all right just one more for now um I believe you were uh leading worship and you have uh, a white shirt on yes Uh, hello um so, <clears throat> I I just want to just um, just uh, um, I guess the right term is just 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 to um, validate that you have a, a call on your life for the release of God's presence on on the earth, and the it doesn't need to look like what you what the normal model of this might be that you would look at but it's 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 an intercessory kind of gifting meaning an intercessory gift is when god invites us to stand in a gap to stand in a space between heaven and earth and partner with him in bringing heaven to earth and and it's one of those things that it's it's a, it's a, it can be a mysterious thing it can be like why do i need to do it that way or why do i need to sing that way and do i do it with a song do i do it with a prayer do i do it with a declaration Yes, it's, 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 and I want to just validate that it's, it's a process of discovery. And one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to throw to people with an intercessory gift is to desperately try to get them to believe that what they're doing is not uh, working, is not valuable, is not valid, is not meaningful. But I saw this picture of you while you were, while you were worshiping, and it was like a... Um, uh, uh, there was this cave wall. It was, it was a beautiful cave wall, but there was just this trickle of water coming out through about a golf ball-sized hole, and there was this water that was pouring out. It was beautiful water, this pure, clean water. And I saw that that water was faithfully eroding the rock, making more room for more water to come out. But then I just saw a big 
chunk of rock fall and a whole lot more water came out. And then a big chunk of water, uh, excuse me, a big chunk of rock came off again and even more water was able to come through. And I just want to encourage you, the hunger that you feel to, and, and the um, almost, um, this is usually a negative word, but uh, the, the addiction that you feel to the, to the release of God's presence in a space, in a, in a place, that's, that is a hunger that God has put in you because you are called to release his presence those ways. And I just want to encourage you, your, your faithfulness in developing that is like that erosion where it will continually build and the response of heaven will be like those rocks falling down where he, he does more than we could possibly do by our own effort. And it will become very normal for the presence of God to flow freely wherever you decide to minister. And so if we could just uh, extend our hands towards, towards her and we just release those, those seasons of breakthrough, those seasons where the big rocks fall down. We bless that hunger that she has for the, for the release of your presence, Lord. That hunger, even though it, hunger can be a painful thing, we just, um, we just release that to grow and to develop and to also grow and then be satisfied, grow and then be satisfied, grow and then be satisfied, Lord. And, and that it would become very clear to her the ways in which you have called her to release your presence in many different places all across this earth, Lord, and that she would be able to see that, have vision for it, and that her, her life would support her being able to per, pursue that purpose in her life. We just release that and bless her with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up and, and kind of go into some ministry time, but I want to, um, if you feel like you're called to a, a Daniel-like position in your life, not, not just yet, but in a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm just going to pray for, pray for all of you. And I, I want to just um, bring, bring some encouragement there. Um, some of you might feel uncertain about that or, or unsure. I don't want you to feel obligated to stand up if you don't have to. If you feel like you just want to stand up in faith, and that's, that's beautiful, and that's, and that's good, good as well. Um, I, I'm the kind of person that, as a kid growing up, when people would have you stand up for prayers and things like, I never knew if I should or shouldn't, or there were seasons where I just stood up for whatever it was, you know, and <laughs> sometimes that was awkward because it was like menstrual cramps or something like that, but um, <laughs> the, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want prayer, okay? That's what we're doing. Um, but the, the, um, uh, I, I, I this is something, like I said, that every Christian is called to be a representative of God's kingdom. But if in this particular day, you feel, as I've been teaching and talking about this, you felt something kind of resonating in your spirit, I just want to invite you to stand up and want to pray for you guys. Yeah. And if, you're, if you remain seated, I just want you to extend your hands towards, towards someone, someone near you. And Lord, we just bless these people, Lord. We bless these people who are feeling that call, who are feeling that pull to step into positions of influence that are, that are uh, kingdom-oriented, that are kingdom influence. I just, um, I, I bless them with wisdom to be able to see with God's eyes, not with man's eyes, to see with God's values, not with man's values. I bless the healing of their history, the healing of the pain from their past, because we know that the places they are called to are, are going to require a transformed life. And I recognize every single one of these people as the kind who pursue a transformed life. But I just ask that we would um, experience that desperate need, that desperate need for you to show us how to, 
for you to show us how to be transformed, to you to have those revelation moments where we see how we need to be transformed, where we see where we see the places that we are not transformed yes yet. And I just release the courage to face that, the courage to look at that and recognize, ah, I need you here. I cannot do this. I cannot forgive here. I cannot bring respect here. I cannot honor this person yet. I need you to show me how. I need you to show me how, Lord, that we would be able to face that, not judge ourselves, not demean ourselves, but just honestly and truly face it and accept it and know that the answer lies within the heart of God. And I just pray for the, the spaces in the earth that are waiting for these sons and daughters of God to be revealed, to make way for them, to make way, to make open the path. That, that places of authority, places of position, places where there hasn't been favor, play, places where they haven't felt listened to, that their maturity and their development would match the need of their environment, Lord. Just as with Daniel, that the, the, the need showed up of Nebuchadnezzar had these dreams and no one else could interpret it, that they would be in their place, in their time, equipped, mature, and ready for what you have them, for them to bring, Lord. That they would be prepared to bring the answer that they, that they have carried. I, I wipe away any experience in their past where they thought they had what they needed, they thought they had what was needed for the moment and it didn't work or it wasn't accepted or it didn't work out and just say that you are coming into a season of maturity, a season of preparedness, that you're coming into your moment where it is time for you to release what you have. But I also just remove that the fear that can come from that, that there is more than one moment. There are moment after moment after moment after moment where you'll have the opportunity to reveal God's glory. I also, for every one of us, release the grace and vision to recognize that in the coming years, there will be Christians who are called to serve wicked kings. And I release the grace to not judge people that have been placed by God to have influence with wicked kings that we would be able to see what they are doing, see how God has positioned them, and rather than judge them or demean them for who they are serving, whose agendas they are perpetuating, and recognize that God has placed them in that place to be an influence and, a, and an agent of transformation in that environment. So I just pray that we would each have that vision and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you to, especially if you were standing and, and you felt that call, if, if when we do ministry time, if you want to come up and receive prayer, just have someone partner with that, that thing that God is doing in your life. I think that's, those moments can be really important and powerful. So yeah, thanks you so much for having me, guys. It's been really great talking with all of you. Thank you. Thanks, Blake. If we can go ahead and get some of our ministry team up here, Stephen and Lacey and Melissa, Jake. Is Bill still here, Bill Hobbs? Bill, come up here. Yeah, uh, we just want to give you an invitation this morning. If, if, if you want somebody to come in an agreement with you around what God has been speaking about in, uh, to your heart this morning, I'd love for you to come up and uh, grab one of these people and let them pray over you. If you need a prayer for healing, we want to pray for you. Um, and I also felt like there was, this might be one person or it might be two or three, but... Uh, I feel like there's many of you in here or one in here at least that there's something that's going on in your life right now that you can you just can't possibly see how God's going to bring breakthrough. And I've, I really feel like the Lord is just saying, today's the day to partner with Him and to see the acceleration of the breakthrough that only He can do in your life. 
And if you'll come up here and grab one of these people and pray with them, we're going to come in agreement with that breakthrough that it'll be supernaturally accelerated and that thing will be diminished and uh, in your life and to see God's glory uh, shine over you and see His promises and His breakthrough. So we love you. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. If you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, you're dismissed. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website, 